you have your Bible with you or you'd like to use one in the pew in front of you, turn with me to Psalm 8 this morning. The Old Testament book of Psalms, chapter 8. If you're a guest with us, we are just wrapping up a short summer series in the book of Song, Psalms. These are the songs of Israel, the songs of Jesus. As he grew up, the songs he would sing at home, the songs he would sing at work, the songs he would put deep down in his heart so that as he grew up and died for us, the word of God would be on his lips even then. And th these songs would mean so much to him and to his people and their journey as they followed the Lord. And they are songs that should mean just as much to us as we follow our king. This morning we're going to read a very familiar psalm, Psalm 8. This is the word of the Lord. To the choir master, according to the Giddeth, a psalm of David. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. When you go to an amusement park, whether it is Silver Dollar City or the Magic Kingdom, everything has been specifically designed for one purpose. Whether it is the parking lots or the lines into the rides or the way the rides all funnel into a gift shop, everything has been crafted so that you will spend as much time at the park and spend as much money as you can at the park. Everything from the biggest rides to the smallest concession has been crafted with the same purpose and design. And what David shows us as we survey all of creation, God has intentionally done the same thing with everything he has made. From the greatest sun to the smallest speck of dust, we all have the same design and purpose. What David shows us, brothers and sisters, is that from the least to the greatest, everything in the universe exists to glorify God. Everything you see, everything you don't see, everything you know, everything you don't know exist to glorify our creator. David takes us on this journey with him and shows us 
three places that you can see the glory of God. And the first couple of places that David shows us gives us some very practical steps to take in our everyday life and how we should live to glorify God. I want to challenge you to be thinking about these things as you live your everyday life, especially in the summertime. This is a great psalm to read in the summer, one to take home with you. But as we look at this psalm, I want to show you three places that you and I can glorify God. The first place David shows us is our place under the stars. Our place under the stars. Look with me at verses 1 to 4 one more time. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? and the Son of Man, that you care for Him. Right now, if you go outside late at night, it is the best time of year to see a meteor shower. I don't know if you knew this, but if you go at just the right time between now and the middle of August, you can see over a hundred meteors an hour. A hundred opportunities for you to worship the God of the universe. It's not hard to imagine David taking a similar opportunity as a shepherd watching his sheep by night. All the work's done for the day. There's no TV to watch. So he lays down in the field and looks up at the stars above. Who knows? Maybe a meteor shower to watch. He looks up at the clear sky above and he finds clear inspiration for this song of praise. Think about this. David only has so much to see in in the sky above him. He does not have so many advantages like we do. He does not have pictures from the great Hubble telescope to show us the deepest recesses of space. He does not have pictures from the Apollo missions to show us what the earth looks like from the other side. He does not have a Land Rover in Mars sending pictures back right now of the red planet. He just has the stars in the sky above him, but he has all the evidence he needs to praise the God of the universe. He says, oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name. The word majestic or majesty points to splendor and beauty. But when David sings about splendor and beauty, he's not singing about the constellations, the splendor of the stars, the shining stars. He's not singing twinkle, twinkle, little star. He's singing about the majesty of the one who made them. And just like the moon gives off no light by itself, only reflects the greater glory of the sun, David recognizes that all the wonders he sees merely reflect the infinite beauty of God. So Psalm 19 verse 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims 
his handiwork. What does all of this say, friends? Well, David, as the shepherd, shows us that our experience in creation should lead us regularly to worship. When is the last time that that happened for you? When is the last time that you were so moved by the wonders God has made that you stopped and sang a song of praise or offered a prayer of thanksgiving? When's the last time you stood at the ocean and were blown away by the size of the waves in the water? When's the last time you turned the TV off and stayed up late and looked at the stars? When's the last time you sat by a roaring river and just listened to that water move. We still have a few weeks of summer left, people. We have time to make it happen. Whether it is actually using the vacation that your boss gives you, or it is just turning your TV off to get outside for the weekend. We have infinite opportunities for worship to praise the God who has given us this place to live. And when you do that, let me point to David and, and encourage you, look past the things you see. If you're with your kids or your grandkids, ask intentional questions. Who made this? Where does this come from? What, how does that make you feel? What does it say about the one who made this? And then offer a prayer to the God who made these things. Sing a song with your kids and grandkids about the God who made everything we say, see. That is why all of these things are there. They're to lead us to the throne in worship. Psalm 93 verse 4. Mightier than the thunders of many waters. Mightier than the waves of the sea. The Lord on high is mighty. As David wonders at the God of creation, there's two ideas that surface. The first one is that this God who created everything cares about us. Verse 4 says, What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? But not only that God cares, God uses us. In verse 2, David is blown away that God uses the mouths of babies and infants to establish his strength. Why doesn't this blow us away anymore? No one's got their jaw dropped right now. We start with the assumption that God cares for us. That's the one thing we believe about God. Of course he cares about us. We're great. No one says, what am I? If our world believes anything about God, it's that he cares. But as David stares into the glory of the galaxy, that thought takes his breath away. In his devotion, Tim Keller writes that we are merely specks of dust, yet we fill the mind of God. The psalmist in Psalm 144, verses 3 and 4 says, O Lord, what is man that you regard him? Or the son of man that you think of him? Man is like a breath 
His days are like a passing shadow. I know it's so easy to get caught up in the busyness of your life and all the things that you think are big and all the problems that you think are enormous. But can I help you? Think about this. The God who holds things like the Grand Canyon and Niagara Falls and the deepest part of the Pacific Ocean knows your middle name and knows about the problems that you are going through right now. And not only that he knows them, he cares about them. That is amazing. Friends, if we call ourselves the people of God, how could we take that for granted? But on top of that, David shows us that God chooses the weakest, smallest of people to display his beauty. Verse 2, look at it again. He says, Out of the mouth of babies and infants you have established strength because of your foes to steal the enemy and avenger. Next time you hear a kid, maybe mine, maybe somebody else's, crying in the pew, what are you supposed to think about? David says that the God who puts the planets into orbit... The God who holds the volcanoes together as they erupt lava and magma is speaking through that baby's cries. And if you listen closely, you can hear the infinite power of the Creator. And it should blow you away and cause you to worship. The king who listens to angels worship every day for eternity enjoys the babbles of our babies and even uses them, verse 2 says, for his purposes. What is man that God would do that? Mark 10, 14, Jesus shows us this heart when he says, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them for to such belongs the kingdom of God. So whether you are under the stars at night, or you are under those weird plastic green stars in a nursery. Let those stars remind you of our place in the universe and worship the glory of God. But there's another place David takes us beyond our place under the stars. In verses 5 to 8, David shows us our place above the earth. Our place above all of creation, our special place as humans. Look at verses 5 to 8. David says, Yet you, God, have made him, mankind, a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. As Dale Ralph Davis points out, these verses are a poetic summary of Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created. David's spot in the pasture, in the fields at night, sent him thinking about the garden. And as he cares for his sheep that he knows by name, he thinks about Adam, who named every single creature. 
And as David meditates on Scripture, he answers his own question. What is man? Well, we find out what we are in verses 5 to 8. And when David says we are a little lower than heavenly beings, there's a little bit of a debate about whether he's talking about angels or God himself. We're not getting into that debate right now. But the emphasis, you can tell, is on the positive. That that being made a little lower than the heavenly beings is a plus. God shares some of his majesty with us. At the end of verse 5, you see that we are crowned with glory and honor. Get this. Not only is God glorious and majestic, he shares the glory with us. He crowns. We are royalty. If you listen, people today, in, in their humanism and naturalism, we are just merely an accident. In the most pessimistic view, we are trash. We are rubbish. We're nothing. We will be nothing. But David says, The God of glory has crowned us as kings and queens over his creation. We're given a royal task. Verse 6 says we are given dominion over the works of God's hands. That's a task that's only given to us. The angels don't have it. The animals don't have it. It is strictly given to us because man is created in the image of God. And going back to that text that sends David into this song, Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 28. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. What a glorious opportunity we have. God gave us as mankind the highest position on earth. He put, the text says, everything under our feet. Now it's obvious if you look close enough, you experience creation enough, that we do not see this perfectly. How many times has your dog bit back? How many times Have you tried to plant something and it did not grow as easy as you wanted to, whether it was drought or parasites or weeds or thorns? Things are not what they're meant to be. That's because of sin. Sin has brought death and distorted our place on earth, but the Bible is clear that sin does not completely remove the image of God from our lives. In this opportunity to reign over creation. Genesis chapter 9, after the fall, after the flood, in verses 1 to 3, God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. 
The fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the heavens, upon everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea. Into your hand they are delivered. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And as I gave you the green plants, I give you everything. Brothers and sisters, on this earth, we represent the Creator. We reflect His beauty. We share some of the majesty and glory in our role and relationship with creation. That's how we reflect God's glory. We are the governors of the king's domain. Now, how should that impact the way we live on earth? If that's the purpose God has given us, the role we have been handed over any other part of creation, how should that impact the way we leave this morning and live this week? As one writer puts it, this fact requires a responsibility. Paul, he's talking about ministry, something else, but the principle remains. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, Paul tells us it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. And all of us are stewards of creation. Can I help you out with something? This may seem like it's coming out of left field, but I promise you it's not. Taking care of this world, taking care of the environment, taking care of the creation, it's not a political issue. It's an image of God opportunity. The people of God, more than anyone else, should care about this creation. So we, when we plant a tree, when we grow and eat from our own garden, when we train our dog to fetch, when we ride a horse, when we do any of these, when we go fish, these are opportunities to glorify God. When's the last time you thought about that when casting out at Table Rock? How can you take these ideas and put them into practice? I mean, do you hear the, the glory and the beauty in this? The littlest things you do can be opportunities to praise the Lord, to do what you are made to do. How can you do that? Brothers and sisters, what's stopping you? Find the gospel opportunities, the God moments in your life. Bring someone along with you and point them to the glory and the majesty of our King. Psalm 150 verse 2 says, praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. We see God's glory on display everywhere we go. Everywhere we can look and see the majesty and beauty of our God. But there is one place above all that we can see the glory of God. And David leads us to this place, hints at this place in the psalm, as David sings about our place with the Lord. Our place with the God who made everything. Our place with the God who shares some of his glory 
with us. And we see this particularly in verses 1 to 9. So I'm going to read verse 1 and verse 9. Read those with me. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And verse 9, again. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Did you see it? No, some of you were too busy singing the old Sandy Patty song. And if you grew up in a certain time, that's the only thing you hear when you read Psalm 8. Now, I found out in a rough kind of way that not everybody in the room knows about this song, and I may be a little older than I think I am. But did you see it? David says, O Lord, our Lord. O Lord, our Lord. In the Hebrew, he's saying, Yahweh our Adonai. These two names of God mean so much. Yahweh is the personal covenant God of Israel. And Adonai is the Lord and master and ruler over everything. Listen, just the fact that this is possible is amazing. To borrow an idea from C.S. Lewis, can, can you imagine Romeo and Juliet speaking to William Shakespeare? Can you imagine the lion, the witch, and the four little children speaking to C.S. Lewis? That's impossible. How could the character in the story speak to the author? But listen, we speak to the author of creation and are able to call him our God. That is mind-blowing amazing that we could even sing this song, that we could even call him our God, especially when you consider the whole story and you think beyond just the fact that he created us. When God made us to rule and to represent him as the image of God, he only gave Adam, he only gave us one restriction. Do not eat from a certain tree. And instead of subjecting himself under God's feet, God, Adam, made himself God, made himself king. And then he let the snake, the creation, have dominion over him. And in just one decision, Adam's role flipped upside down. Instead of ruling over everything, he was ruled. Instead of having dominion, sin dominated him. Because of that, God removed man from the garden in his presence and placed a curse over all creation. Between the thorns and the thistles, the sweat and the pain and death itself, we would never be able to enjoy earth and creation the way we were meant to be. And worse than that, our relationship with God would be severed. And on our own, in our sin, we could never say, O Lord, our Lord. Because as Romans 3.23 tells us, we all fell short of the glory of God. But, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is his name in all the earth. The God of the universe chose to reveal himself, not just through stars, not just through animals, not just through creation, but through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, our place with God and with all of creation can be restored. 
Hebrews tells us that Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God in the exact imprint of his nature. He is the perfect picture of the splendor and majesty of God. If you want to know what the glory of God looks like, look at Jesus. And yet, he was willing to become an infant, to become a baby, a little child, to establish the strength of the world. He experienced the brokenness of this world. As he made his way into Jerusalem, heading to the cross to bring us back to God, the little children established the strength of the Lord and cried out, Hosanna, Hosanna to the highest. And Jesus' enemies tried to stop them. And in Matthew 21, verse 16, they asked Jesus, do you hear what these kids are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes. Have you never read out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies you have prepared praise? Psalm 8, verse 2. They studied the Torah as much as David did, these scribes but they still did not understand how God works. And a week later, in Jerusalem, God used the weakest, frailest one to establish his glory forever. And Jesus, the true son of man, took Adam's curse on himself and died on the cross for our sins. But three days later, brothers and sisters, the majestic glory of God spoke. And he rose his son from the grave so that he could show us in perfect power and majesty the glory of God and invite us back into life with him. That's why when the writer of Hebrews quotes Psalm 8, he says this in chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. At present, we do not see everything in subjection to him, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. And brothers and sisters, if you could hear this and not say, oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name. If you could hear this truth, this gospel, and not say, what is man that you would think of me like that? Then who am I that you would care for me like that? Then you do not have salvation in the Lord. If you can hear this good news and not be blown away to praise, you do not know the Lord God in the way that you could say, oh Lord, our Lord, this is the good news of the gospel that should cause you to constantly praise the majestic name of Jesus. Brothers and sisters, let me tell you, that is where you say amen. That is where you speak up with the rocks and the waters, and the sand, and the stars, and you say glory to God. Because Jesus said, if you won't speak up, the rocks will. And the babies will sing with their cries. But we are not blown away by the majesty of God anymore. We are not blown away by the fact that he cares about us anymore. We're too busy looking at our screens, and our problems, and our lives. Friends, the Lord God is majestic. He is excellent. He is beautiful beyond compare. And he deserves your praise whether you give it to him or not. You were made to glorify the Lord. 
right now, Jesus sits at the right hand of God, waiting to return and reveal this final picture of God's majesty. And one day we will see Psalm 8 in its full glory. John, he sees it. In Revelation chapter 5, verse 13, he says, I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And then in chapter 20, verse 23 to 26, John says, and the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and the gates will never be shut by day. There will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations. Can you even imagine what that day will be like? I guarantee you this. It will be a lot louder than this room. It will be a lot more excited than this room. It will be a lot more blown away. We won't even be able to take it all in. Friends, we don't have to wait for that day to be amazed. We don't have to wait for that day to do what we were made to do. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, Paul says, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Friends, under the stars, or above the earth, wherever we are, from the least to the greatest, everything was created and exists for the glory of our God. Let us pray.